You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. Welcome and thank you for joining me. I created this podcast along with everything I do at yourparentingmentor.com to support and inspire you to be the best parent you can be. I know for a fact and from experience that parenting was never meant to be done alone. From conception to preschool, my mission is to give you the tools, strategies, and knowledge to embrace and elevate your parenting experience. I'm dedicated to supporting, inspiring, and guiding you to nurture your child's immense potential with as much joy and ease as humanly possible. Make sure to take time to check out all of the resources I have gathered for you in the show notes, as well as on my website, yourparentingmentor.com. And be sure to get on my email list so you do not miss a single episode and other products and events I curate specifically for you. And please do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, concerns, or feedback. A warm welcome to you and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. And today I have Alison Task. And I'm excited to be talking to Alison, who is a life coach, but we're going to be talking specifically about some transition periods that we might go through as parents. So thank you, Alison, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. So, Alison, as I always like to start, um, I'd like to ask my guests, what, how do they define the art of parenting? Mm, great question. So, you know, it, it's hard to say the art of parenting without contrasting it to the science of parenting, right? Um, the science of parenting is doctor's appointments and immunizations or not. Um, and a lot of the science of parenting is sort of social science. Um, but the art of parenting is the truth in that every parent is different. Every child is different, right? The four children under my roof all have very different needs, right? And that is where the art of parenting comes in. So you can learn all that the guides and social science and science has to teach us. And then when it comes to the individual and the moment, the art of parenting is what comes in. So it's like, put aside your training, however minimal or maximal it has been, and go with what you think is right in the moment. Love that. Love that. And when you say think is right, I always think of like tune into your intuition because I, I, I know that we have an inner compass that sometimes we forget about. Oh, I really appreciate you saying that. I've been spending a lot of time recently on the concept of attunement, mm. specifically attuning to your child, attuning to yourself, right? So that, that fits right in with the inner compass and attuning. And, and now that you bring up inner compass, it's almost like, you know, feeling the energy between the two of you and helping that, helping to choreograph that dance in the moment. Yes. Beautiful. Oh, and that sounds like art too, dancing, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> beautiful. So before we get too involved in our conversation, I'd love if you could share a little bit about yourself, your background and, and how you came to do the work that you're doing today. Yeah, thank you so much. So I am 51 years old. Um, I grew up on Long Island, public schools, was educated at Cornell University, came out and was sort of ready to hit the business world. My timing was great because the internet was just happening. I had a human development and family studies degree and I jumped on the internet 
train in 1994, 95, ended up moving out to San Francisco for a while. And that was really the first 10 years of my professional life. It was it was seminal for me because at that time, the internet was just getting started and it gave me the opportunity to have a front row seat to probably the greatest innovation of our generation. And it was a pleasure and a privilege to be part of that. But it gave me this sense that you can create whatever you want, um, which is really the underpinning of my coaching practice today. I left there and decided I wanted to help um, homemakers enjoy cooking more in their homes. I got a culinary degree, went on to host several cooking shows, write a bunch of cookbooks, and had a blast working for Martha Stewart. And that was another decade of my life in the cooking realm. And then I firmly landed in coaching, opened a coaching practice, sort of dovetailing with some of my the end of my cooking culinary on-camera career. Um, and now I am a coach full-time. But, but really what I ended up doing in .com helped me believe that anything can be possible, which really helps me support my clients through major life and career transitions today. Wow. And, and what a beautiful kind of journey you, you have taken. And, and I love how you say that that whole .com has helped you see that every anything is possible. And it is so true today. Like I see so many people with just amazing ideas just going for it. And that's, that's all because of the internet. Yeah. And it's a, a lot in contrast. If I had a dollar for every client who said, you know, my mom says you're not supposed to like work, you know, that was, or sometimes is the prevailing wisdom. So a lot of my clients come in with that sort of sadness that now that they're adults, they have to dr trudge and drudge through life. And I try to, um, I try to provide adequate examples that there are alternate ways to approaching life. Beautiful. And so specifically, I would love like if you could talk about, you know, specifically approaching parenting, because I think just like you, I often hear parents telling me how grueling and tough and, and all of this parenting journey is. And, and I know in my heart that, yes, there are days that are difficult and there are situations that are, are you know, definitely challenging but as a whole, I like to see it as a very joyous and, and, you know, beautiful experience. How do you help parents and, and maybe more specifically mothers kind of transition into motherhood? Uh, and, and maybe, I guess, more specifically, uh, career driven women, because I know that that tends to be a very difficult time in our lives where, where we've, you know, had a career and then suddenly, well, you know, do we put it on pause? Do we try to juggle everything? And that can be, that can be challenging. You know, I'm so glad you asked. I used to teach a career. There's this, um, what I would call a, a mother's dojo. There was this place in town called Montclair Baby, which is birth advocacy, um, breastfeeding and yoga. And they do prenatal classes, postnatal classes, everything from I just got pregnant to my baby is two and I want to celebrate it. So all the baby and mommy and me and just mommy classes are there. And I used to teach a class there called Return to Workshop. Um, and it was moms with babies ages one month to typically six, maybe nine months. And they'd come together and we'd all kind of process feelings on returning to work. And just like we were saying before about the art and science of <laughs> parenting, there were as many opinions as there were women in the room. Some women were like, I can't wait to get back to work. I know how to do it. I feel confident. This just isn't my thing. I like being a mother, but I don't like being full-time. And they were running to work with great joy. They had 
you know, backup upon backup for childcare. And that is what helped them be the best parent they could be. And that worked. And some parents were really torn. I think the parents who were most torn were the mothers who really desperately wanted to be stay-at-home moms, but economically couldn't figure out how to make that work. Um, or people who didn't like their jobs and didn't want to return, but again, economically had to. So the work I do, the, the coaching work I do certainly is it's very bespoke to tune in, right? Attunement to the person and really to help the person attune to themselves. And in that time of postpartum, it can be confusing with societal shoulds and obligations and teasing that apart from what you want to do. And most importantly, where your values are and what your values want for you. That's where I try to help people make choices. I have a client recently who has twins. They are almost, almost two years now. Wow. That's crazy. And, uh, she was incredible career person, really super successful husband, same. He travels a ton. It was hard having the twins. She had the twins and then decided to stay at home for a time. And then at month three, at month six, she's trying to get jobs, trying to get jobs, but up, oh, I'll only work 20 hours a week. And, and the reality was she really just wants to be with her children and she loves it and she's thriving with it. But her identify, she, 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 her identity, she identified as a full-time career person and not as a stay at home and certainly not as a stay at home with a husband traveling as much as hers did. So there was a lot of identity work that we ended up doing to help her, especially as women are, you know, becoming mothers older to help you tune into what you want and let go of visions of yourself that are no longer in sync with what you want, because there's a big difference between what we think will happen when we have our first, second or third child and what does happen. Right. And, and what is, I'm just curious, like, what is that process to, like you say, to be, to be attuned to, to ourselves and to, to our values really to, to be able to be honest with ourselves of, well, I wasn't really planning on this, but now I'm really enjoying this or, you know, how, how, how our identity does shift when we, when we become a parent and are there some maybe for our listeners, some, some questions they could be asking themselves to, to kind of tune in? It's great. So, you know, a, a good coach has been trained in the art of asking powerful questions and powerful questions, as many books as there are on coaching questions. I have books of thousands of questions, tens of thousands of questions, but the question that comes in the moment that's precisely honoring the person in front of me and the person they want to be is the question I ask, but let's, let's play the game, right? So there are listeners listening. Thank you. Hi, thank you for being here. Um, and you're in a moment right now, you listener of wondering if you should go back to work or not. Right. So I guess I would say, tell me what was wonderful about work, right? The key to good coaching questions are that they are open-ended and they help you make new connections in your brain by thinking differently. Tell me what you loved in your job. Um, tell me what you're excited to get back to. Tell me what you like about your life when you're working. Then tell me what you're excited about experiencing with your child over the next six months, over the next year, right? Tell me about how you see yourself parenting. Tell me what's important to you as a parent. What's important for your own satisfaction as a parent? And what's important that you want your child to experience? It's so funny because these... 
these babies ages, you know, three months to two years have a set of experiences that help them, but we don't actually really know what they are and how they're processing them. And so many parents will talk about, well, I want the baby to do this and I want the baby to do this and I want the baby to have this, right? Okay, sure. (laughs) But I encourage the parent to also talk about what they want, how they want to spend their days. You know, the key is when you start getting really jealous of your babysitter or jealous of your nanny, that's when it's like, ah, should we mix things up? Um, I myself today, my youngest is nine. Her brothers are 10. She has twin brothers. And I have one who's 22 as well. But um, the three little ones, like I've definitely organized my life around being able to pick them up from school at 2.30 because I enjoy that. I enjoy watching them run around and have fun and play. And that's vital for my experience of motherhood, of, of just watching them and seeing them develop and knowing their friends and knowing their friends' parents. I do it for them, but I also do it for me. And once I'm clear that that's a value of mine, as well as a goal I have for them, then it becomes very easy to wake up at six in the morning and start seeing clients at seven, you know? Right, right, right. And I love that, Allison, that you really tune into what the parent wants for themselves, because so often I feel that we are so driven by, you know, like you said, that the shoulds of, of what we need to be doing and everything. And we tend to forget like, hey, what what drives me? What makes me happy? What do I need? Yeah. And they're, they're little and big questions at the same time. Right. 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 But, but I, I do believe like help yourself feel joy and happiness. And, you know, I, I have a, a friend who's a parent who loves camping, loves skiing. His kids have learned to camp and ski. He's not teaching them to camp and ski because he wants them to know to camp and ski. He just loves doing it and he wants them to come and that's what he loves, but it's based in his joy. He's not trudging through it to teach them. He's coming from a place of true inner joy. Yes. Yes. And that to me is just so essential to continue doing what we enjoy as parents with our children. Uh, for me, it's, it's always been traveling. I'm, I'm, I've traveled my entire life as a child and, and as an adult. So I wasn't going to stop because I had children. And, and I actually sent my son off to Thailand this morning. So, <laughs> you know, he, he's been part of that world for, for so long that now it just at 23 seemed pretty normal that he would just go off for two weeks on his own. So, um, and, and to me, that is, that is a really strong value. And I'm so happy that it's actually materialized and that my children enjoy it as well. Like if he was a homebody and didn't want to travel, no big deal, but at least I will have done something with them that I truly enjoyed and they picked up on it. Bingo. Yeah. So, so you honoring yourself and he happened to choose to pursue it as well. Exactly. Exactly. Wonderful. Um, anything else that that could help parents that are kind of in that transition of, you know, just just maybe trying to figure out what what is the best for them? Are there other questions that you ask? Are there other exercises that you do? You know, my coaching is so bespoke. It's it's truly about the intimacy between myself and the the client, that one-on-one moment. But I will tell you one area that comes up often that's worth mentioning 
is um, the relationship between the partners, right? I mentioned this last client, hard worker, husband, hard worker, and his careers kept accelerating. And that is a very big and important conversation point because resentment can build um, if it's not explored, honored, discussed. So the relationship between the parents, if there are two parents or whomever the caregivers are, that relationship is also pretty vital and that goes through its own transitions. But we're worried so much about baby and sleeping through the night and eating solids and, you know, sitting up, all those things. We're looking at their developmental milestones and sometimes we put our own relational milestones to the side. Mm. Yes, that is that is critical. Any maybe advice for for parents who are listening who might want to sit down with their partners and kind of you know have the the conversation because it's tr- so true what you say, you know, for for me I have a 27 and 23 year old and we you know, we talked a little bit about marriage, but <laughs> before we got married, but never really about parenting or how we were going to parent and and so forth. And it's only when the children were, you know, in our homes, did we realize that we had very different approaches. (laughs) And that didn't always, you know, jive and we learned to, to live with it. But I wish maybe I had had those conversations a little bit earlier. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a wonderful book that came out. I feel like it's probably around 20 years ago called Spouseonomics. Um, it came out again and it's rebranded as it's not you, it's the dishes, but I like spousonomics better. Um, that talks about home care, child care and responsibility and how you start having the conversation and taking responsibility for all that needs to be done. So that book's really good when things start to get inequitable, especially if they're inequitable on gender lines. Um, if there's a, a gendered partnership. So, that book is really good. There's also, you know, the concept of the mental load. Um, obviously, you are you're, you have a French name. Yes. Um, I believe it was a French cartoonist who put together a really good cartoon uh, 10, 15 years ago about the mental load and the assumption of who carries the schedule. You know, who's the person that looks in the fridge and says, where's the butter? And who's the person who put the butter on a list, bought the butter, brought the butter home, put it in the fridge, right? Mm. And so looking at the concept of mental load and figuring out who's carrying it and how it can be distributed more equitably, um, that helps too. Or if it's not to be distributed equitably, how we can acknowledge and celebrate the work of the mental load as well as other labor that's being done in the home. Right. Acknowledge it and maybe also find ways to support it. Like if, if the, the partner can't be there or, or take on, how, how do we create support around the, the parent that carries most of the load? Does that make sense? Exactly. There was a really great article in the New York Times recently that I read about traveling. And if you're traveling, not for fun, but for work, how you can still stay attuned to what's going on at home with a spe- with your partner with children and how you can walk the door walk in the door and not be like oh i'm so tired let's go watch tv but like hey i'm jumping in why don't you take some time you know how you can stay attuned even from the far and be like tell me what happened with the kids today or hey how can i support you or you know just just it's so easy especially with work to just throw yourself into work 
um, but how can you still stay connected to the home in those moments? Beautiful. And it's, it's, it's interesting because I just had a flashback of, of a conversation actually with, with, I, that I had with girlfriends recently and how they are so like focused in their work that they weren't hearing what other people were saying. And, and that to me, you know, and that to me is, is interesting how you're saying, you know, attunement. And I, and I know in that moment I was pretty vulnerable and needed kind of some support because I had had a, a heavy week and it just, it just, you know, wasn't flowing and I could see how that could happen at home and with, with partners and how that difficult that could be. Absolutely. And you know, that's the third thing I would say, right? Because there's um, your relationship with yourself in the transition, your relationship with your partner in the transition. And then the other big bugaboo I'd say that comes up is lack of community um, and the loneliness that really creeps in. That's why I loved my Montclair baby dojo. I just hung, I was at that place three days a week. I love that place when I was a mom, a new mom. Because it was my tribe. Like when you are in week six of a newborn, that is very different from week 16. And it's very different from week 60. And if you could be in the room with women who have recently been in week six, it's a game changer. You know what I mean? Yes, definitely. There are micro transitions in that first year. Um, and it's so vital to, to just tribe up, tribe up as much as you can and have people who are in it with you. Hmm. Um, what would be if, if you were to go to kind of a new parent group, uh, today, and I'm asking this very selfishly because I'm actually stepping in for somebody this afternoon to run a new parent group. And to me, I am so aware of, you know, the mothers that are going to show up are probably going to be asking questions about their babies and their milestones and everything. And I want to be able to bring it back to themselves. Like what would be some questions maybe you wish you had been asked early on? Well, you know, I would say the one thing, the best thing that the the woman who ran these new mom groups did, um, she was just this amazing earthy woman, Kelly DeFlora. I adore her. She was my doula for my third birth. And she would like always be sitting on those big round bouncy balls that like newborns love. And she'd be sitting on it. And if you had a fussy baby, she would just say, let me try. And you would just give her the baby. And in minutes, the baby would be asleep. And you would have a couple moments baby free. And she'd be like, now may I make you some tea? And so not only would she have a sleeping baby on her, maybe two, she'd then be making you a cup of tea. And so like that care, right, that attunement and that care that was given was everything. And it, I don't know how else to say other than it, it just helped to regulate my system and every mother's system just to watch someone care for you by caring for your baby, right? It's like the ultimate postpartum doula experience. So for me, the questions will be answered and there are curiosities and there are urgent questions and medical questions and breastfeeding questions. But the real harmony in these groups just comes in being together. There was not a single session, not a single class I attended or a session I gave when I was teaching where people weren't emotional, whether it was exhaustion or frustration or fear or whatever. There were tears every time. And so qualitatively creating that space to be so safe and welcoming and warm and nurturing for the mothers, that sets the tone. Okay. Well, that was my plan. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I love it. In in terms of key questions, probably this time of year, it's a lot of questions around mother-in-laws and family and obligations and setting boundaries, you know, transitioning to the new year. There's a lot of things that may have just happened that aren't sitting so well (laughs) and questions about obligations and expectations come up a lot. Yeah. And I think it's true what you say, obligations, because, you know, we've just been through the the whole holiday season and everything. And I know that that can be a lot of pressure for new parents when I I was, I'm a birth doula as well. And I, I just attended a birth and I know that they want nothing to do with anybody for, for a few weeks. And it just so happened that it's, you know, during the holiday season, but that's that's okay. And to be able to set your boundaries, like you say, is so important. Well, yes, yes. And I think post-holiday, having helping people to sort of, post-holiday, we might not be looking in the rearview mirror, but there's a post-holiday chat that can happen of, how did that go? How did that work for you? What felt good? What felt like you want to discuss it with your partner? Did you have moments of anger or rage? You know, And what do you want to do differently? What do you want to keep as a tradition? All of that. That's a very important questions. I like that. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And, and just when you were saying, you know, about your Montclair dojo, I'm reminded that the 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 kind of five universal uh, postpartum needs, one of them is actually the presence of wise women in spiritual companionship. Like that's a universal need in that postpartum period. So it, it was meant for you. So that's lovely. Wow. Yeah. I'm so happy to learn that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anything else that you would like to touch upon? I, actually, I, I wouldn't mind going back actually to a word that you've used several times during our conversation, and that is attunement. And, and I love that word and I love the feeling that it brings to me, but anything that you want to maybe define and maybe help listeners be attuned? Like what, what are some things that we can do on a daily basis to feel attuned to ourselves and to our child? Well, something really beautiful you can do with your child at every age really is just look in their eyes and hold their hands and just kind of breathe with them. They tend to breathe a lot faster than we do. So (laughs) it might be a lot to keep up with them, but just watching your bodies together Um, it's fun to do with a little, little one, you know, if you could put them on your chest and breathe with them, or even it's, it's great as, as kids get older and into digital, especially to just maintain eye contact and connect. Um, this can be a fun exercise to do with anyone to just sit, you know, across from each other and hold, you know, let's say knees a foot or two apart, but pretty close and just hold eye contact for a minute and say nothing but just do the exercise of holding eye contact for one minute. That's more of something to do with a teen or an adult. Teens will laugh for sure, but it helps you sort of connect and see the person's humanity in a very powerful way. And to see your child as an individual, but also to see each other just as, you know, human people outside of your role can be really powerful. Again, kids probably four to 17 is going to be a lot of giggling. 
<laughs> but younger than that, physically attuning with your child can be really powerful. And older with that as well, physically attuning, you know, emotionally and eye to eye attuning with people can be really connecting. Yeah. And, and, and from the way you describe it, it's also this notion of slowing down because as you said, the, you know, with the digital devices and so forth, I think we're, we're not looking at each other all that much anymore. Tragically, tragically. So it can be a, an, a, a weirdly out of body experience. Like look at a flower for a minute, see what you see. Like to, to take a minute to look at a living thing is not something we do a lot. I think they say the average cut in TV is like four seconds. Um, and that's like a slow movie. Um, action movies are more like two. Um, so just to see someone's face for a full minute, look at a pet for a minute. I mean, they'll move around and stuff like that, but look, look at a flower. I'm not, I'm not joking about that. Like attuning to the, the nature and, you know, spirit of the, those living creatures around us can be quite a marvelous and uh, awesome experience. And I mean it in the true sense of awe. Yeah. And, and this reminds me, I, I'm a, my background is Montessori and in our training, we have to train ourselves to simply observe without, you know, without judgment, preconceived ideas. And, and I remember an exercise of actually observing a plant for way more than a minute, but it was, you know, it was fascinating of just sitting there and taking notes of what you saw, what you felt, what you smell, what you sense. And that to me is, is very powerful. Yeah. You know, it's funny from the beginning of our conversation to this very moment, I keep glancing over to my bookshelf. I promise I won't walk over there again. Um, but um, <laughs> John Kabat-Zinn is a great meditation teacher. He has a book, maybe you, you know it probably, you probably know it well, called Everyday Blessings. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is about the concept of parenting as a meditation. Beautiful. The full arc of parenting every day, every moment, these are meditative experiences if we let them be. Um, so I recommend that book highly in terms of attunement. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you. This has been wonderful. And, and I just would like to circle back. You mentioned earlier that you had a 22-year-old. Yes, yes. I have a stepdaughter who is 22. Okay. So if you were to go back 23 years ago when you were expecting your first child, what wise words would you tell yourself knowing all that you know today? Very good. Well, she is my stepdaughter, so I, was not, I did not carry her. Um, but if I was to go back, let's say before I met her? Mm -hmm. Before you became a step-parent then? Yeah, before I became a step-parent. I would say go very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. Respond, don't react. It isn't personal. No one's trying to wake you up in the middle of the night because they're trying to, you know, not with her. I'm thinking of my recent child who was just up vomiting all night. But like, respond, don't react. It's not personal. You know, they they seek guidance from you. Now I'm thinking about all four of them. And you're here to co-regulate with them until they can regulate on their own. Yes, beautiful. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Any any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with today, Allison? You're, you're wonderful. And this is a wonderful podcast and you found a great place to be and learn and think and a, a patient doula wise woman to listen to. So you're <laughs> um, yeah. And I would just say, you know, remember your, remember your needs too. 
Um, and I've had people say that, and it's really irritating when you've got, you know, a sink full of dishes and screaming babies and dirty diapers and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it, it truly is the only way out. And that's not spa night and that's not cocktails and that's not stuff like that. It's just tuning into yourself. It's more of like a warm bath, um, and a cuddle and a snuggle and a, a blanket and, and tuning into yourself. And that's, uh, that's vital for your and their health. Beautiful. Thank you for that. And and I just might add that, and just remembering to ask for help, because parenting was never meant to be done alone. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Allison, for taking the time to be with us today and sharing your wisdom. Pleasure. Good luck with your class. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Art of Parenting podcast. And if you did, please share it with your loved ones and make sure to leave a review so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.